the time nor the space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the monstrous Matt. Hello there. So today we are discussing The Beast Below. Yeah. The second story in the Smith era. From the 10th of April, yeah. 2010. Also written by Stephen Moffat. Mm-hmm. What did you make of this episode? This is not a perfect episode, but it makes me cry. Really? Every time. I I think if this podcast proves nothing else, it has definitely established that I am a soppy arse. (laughs) Because uh, it doesn't take a lot to set me off sometimes, and this one always does. I think there's one good idea in amongst a whole load of nothing. Oh, okay, this could be an interesting episode. This is one of those episodes that just slides into the great grey for me. Mm. Okay. Not terrible, not great, instantly forgettable. Wow. Okay. Yeah, fact, we no, definitely have different opinions on this. There's one good idea, and there's one absolutely fantastic bit. Okay, cool. Well, uh, should, do you want to keep those in your back pocket for now, and we'll sort of address them as we, mm-hmm. we get to it in the course of the episode? Um, yeah, let's just c- cut the preamble then. Let, let's get stuck in. Okay. So, we begin. There's a big city in space. Yeah. And there's a boy in a classroom with a robot teacher. So, everyone's leaving the room and the robot teacher's like going, well done today. Well done. Yes. And Um, then it calls him a bad boy. Yes. And so, to be clear, when we say a robot teacher, they look a little bit partly like a ventriloquist's dummy... Partly like, uh, do you know those old fairground fortunes? Yeah, teller, like from Bisk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're called Zoltar. Yeah. I remember when I stayed over in Australia for a little bit. Mm. I went to an arcade in Melbourne that I can't remember the name of, but it was amazing. Yeah. And that was the thing that got me most excited. So I put my <laughs> two dollars in. Yeah. And as soon as I put it in, the attendant walked over and went, "Don't put money in that; it's broken." Oh. Cheeky. So my um, wish was that I got two dollars back. No. Well, um, but yeah. So basically, they've got the, it's in a cabinet, and it's got like a sort of looks like an old plasticky bakelite almost molded face. <laughs> and yeah, and when uh, and so it's sort of smiling. It's slightly creepy looking, but it's smiling at all the other kids. And then when it turns to, is it Timmy? Did we say? I think so. Yeah, and says. Um, uh, you've been a bad boy. It's t- the head turns round and it goes from smiling to frowning. Mm-hmm. And this is the bit that I did like. Yep. I've just written in my notes. Is that the demon headmaster? Now, I was thinking that, and I think this every single time I watch this episode, and then I always forget to actually Google it. It is. It it's Terence Hardyman, the actor oh, that plays the Google head. I'm so de- happy. Not the Google headmaster. I googled <laughs> it, and it is the demon headmaster. Yeah, and uh, I mean, did he put his own glasses for that role then? Because he's wearing the exact same yeah. like round spectacles. I paused this episode at this point and watched yeah. maybe the first five ten minutes of the first episode of Demon Headmaster. Does it hold up? Uh, I don't know. I'll probably watch some more. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't think it was terrible. Yeah. Although the opening titles is a bit weird because it's like children like the main characters uh-huh. from splat yeah i think that stands for the society of protection and liberation against them uh-huh. and they're all smiling and then they go oh and pull a shocked face <laughs> that bit was a bit weird but yeah it is it's terence hardyman oh excellent yeah uh 
So, I can't even remember in what context he appears in my notes. I've just literally written, is that the demon headmaster? Yeah. So, so well, I can tell you what he looks like. He's wearing robes. He's got a sort of uh, old-fashioned clockwork key mm. on, like, a chain around his neck. So, he looks like a sort of monk with a clockwork fetish or something. Yes. And the little boy from before, Timmy, is not allowed on the lift. So, he wants to go home. Mm-hmm. And it's something like 40 stories down. Yeah. And they say, well, you're not allowed on the lift because you got a zero on yes. your test. Yeah, there's this little girl, I think called Millie, I think we need to find out. Um, and, yeah, she's sort of saying to him, explaining the rules for this world. <laughs> yeah. Very handily. Uh, but he, he waits till the lift has gone down. Yeah. He waits for another one. Yeah. And he risks it. Yeah. And as he gets on, there's another unit... In yeah. there of these like robotic teachers. Yeah, I've I've called them robot teachers because I didn't know what they were. They're called um, smilers. Smilers. There we go. And he gets on the lift. Yeah. And this thing says, "Oh, you're such a bad boy, Timmy." The floor opens. Yeah. And there's just a pit down the elevator shaft. Yeah, yeah. And it goes as well. The smiler this time it turns from frowning to like. Evil face, yes. basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it has red eyes, and yeah. then we get the titles. Yeah. So, after that, the Doctor and Amy are just mucking about. <laughs> so, yeah. she's, like, hanging outside the TARDIS. Yeah. He's pulling her back in, and then yeah. when he goes to do a job, she jumps back out, <laughs> having a real hoot. Yes. Um, and they spy, it's called Starship UK. Yes. So, the humans have left Earth. All of the UK are on this, like, vessel. Yeah. Except Scotland, because they wanted their own. <laughs> yeah. Come on, that's a good joke. And Amy's like, oh, yeah, go on, <laughs> Scotland. And before they yeah. leave to venture to Starship UK, the Doctor outlines to them that they are observers. We're not here to get involved, <laughs> which, of course, they do. Yeah. We're just going to go have... A little look around. And I, I like that because, like, if you're a new Doctor Who watching, you might be like, oh, okay, yeah, maybe this is the rules. But as a seasoned Doctor Who fan, you know for a fact that the Doctor is talking out of his ass there because, like, there has never been a situation where he's walked in and, and actually stuck to his rule of just being an observer. Not one. No, no. And when they land, yeah. they're followed by a man in a hood, similar yeah. to what we've seen earlier. And he's working for the Demon Headmaster. So he relays a message to say something along the lines of, oh, there's two people here. We need to watch out. Yeah. And the Demon Headmaster relays that wo- message to a woman. Is that where... Because uh, the Doctor has done the glass thing. That's it? right. Yes. Yeah. So basically the Doctor's strolled through this... Um, it's sort of like a a sort of marketplace thoroughfare kind of thing and there was a a couple of people sat with with glasses at a a sort of cafe table and he he just grabs one pops it on the floor watches it for a second and then pops it back on on the table and i like his excuse he said apologies i'm just uh uh water inspection routine water inspection looking for an escaped fish yes (laughs) um but yeah he doesn't explain at this point why he's done that yeah but, but uh, when we see the lady 
who's receiving all this information around her on the floor are vessels of water yes. similar to this. Yeah. Okay. So the doctor then tasks Amy with investigating the Smiler robots. Yes. He says that they're clean. There's a wide radius around them where nobody seems to go. And everything else on this ship is filthy and run down. Yeah. Yeah, because he's basically saying, look, this place it seems, feels like a police state to him. Yes. It's like, you know, everyone seems happy, but they're not, like, there's something they're not saying and not acknowledging. And, and he, he observes, obviously, that the smiler seems to have something to do with keeping tabs on people. Yeah. Whatever it is. And meanwhile, he's being... I, I, we kind of lost over one of my moments that, that I mean, like, actually... So when he's first explained to Amy, look, we don't get involved. So she's like, ah, oh, okay, right. Uh, and so she's still stood, like, watching from within the TARDIS on the scanner. Um, and then she sees the Doctor immediately rushing over to the little girl we saw earlier who's mm. been sat on a bench crying. Uh, and also, uh, uh, so, like, she suddenly sees him just as soon as he said we don't get involved. There he is getting involved. Yeah. And that's actually, that comes into play later. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss about uh, The other thing I wanted to mention when I re- referenced the benches, you and I will recognise those benches. Mm-hmm. Those are like old fashioned uh, railway station yes. benches. Yeah. That, you know, this weird sort of um, like moulded steel with bloody uncomfortable if you've got to spend yeah. more than five minutes on them. <laughs> I, I can remember our primary school had them. Yeah. And I don't know why I was laid on one, but yeah. I remember them being brutally hot oh, in the summer. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the thing, yeah, they're, they're far too hot in the summer, far too cold in the yeah. winter. They're just worst of both worlds. And that kind of plays into one of my favourite things about this episode, which is the production design. Mm. Which, where, obviously, it's this future spaceship, but the aesthetics of it is some kind of nebulous mix of of Britishness from about 1955 through to about 1977. Mm. It's like, it's just this weird melange (laughs) of all of those kinds of looks and feels, and it's really effective. Does it say which year we're in? No, but it's pretty far in the future. Um, So Amy follows the girl. The Doctor says we should investigate her because she's crying, but nobody seems to know. Yes. That means everybody knows why she's crying and everyone's accepted it yeah. and that arouses his suspicion Yes, yeah. and Amy follows her and the girl warns Amy of below Yeah. so she follows her and the, in the path there's like a hole it's got a tent over it yeah like you know in work they're digging a hole and yeah. yeah so Amy breaks into the tent and there's this hole but then Amy realises, coming from the hole, it's like a scorpion stinger tail. Yeah, like a weird tentacle. Yeah, it's about six foot tall. Yeah. Seems to be quite imposing. Yeah. Uh, but not as imposing as the man that just knocks Amy out. Yeah, with like a bit of... So he's like a... Uh, uh, he like sprays gas from like a ring, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. One of those things where it's like, don't ask questions, yeah. she's knocked out. Yeah. Um... So, the lady from earlier, wearing a mask, uh, questions the doctor about why he's putting glasses of water on the floor. Yeah. And he says that this ship has no engine rumble. Mm. Now, I'm no expert, but if they were in the vacuum of space, would there be any? Yes, because if, if it's... 
an object within the vessel itself that's vibrating the vessel, yeah, I you suppose. would sense the vibrations of the vessel. Like sound doesn't travel in space because it's so you. Oh uh, yeah, I suppose it's encapsulated within space. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because in order for there to be no engine rumble, there yeah. would have to be no atmosphere. Yeah. And there is. Absolutely. Right. Remind me who's the science teacher again? I know, I know, but like, <laughs> this is like pseudo-science, isn't it? You know, without giving the game away, this ain't real science. Oh, come on, this is pretty rigorous. <laughs> anyway. I'll, I'll remind you of that later. <laughs> okay, so there's no engine rumble, Yeah. and he says, you know, it's almost as if there's no engine. He looks at power conduits, they're all, they're all disconnected. unattached. Yeah, all um, dummies, as he says, yeah. So, she gives him a tracker to find Amy, yeah. and the lady says her name is Liz Ten, yeah. which didn't mean anything to me until we get the revelation later, mm-hmm. and I thought, oh yeah, that's quite clever. Yeah, cool. So, Amy wakes up, and she's in a voting booth, Yeah, and it says, you are Amy, your age is, I think, 2,000 years? More than that, even, I yeah. think, maybe, yeah. And... Mm. When it says marital status, she's so interested. We uh-huh. know that her wedding day is coming up. Yeah. It says unknown. Ooh. So, interesting. Yeah. I wonder if they knew whether she's going to get married or not, or if they were just like, ah, we'll just work that out later. What? You mean the writers? Yeah. If they'd considered that, or if they were just like, cross that bridge when we <laughs> get to it. Um, yeah, maybe you'll find out. So, the video shows the truth about the ship. Yeah. Okay, that it's got this dark secret. There is no engine. Yeah. Um, With a, it's a bit like it's a video being like presented by sort of kindly older gentleman. Look, looks not dissimilar to Jeremy Corbyn. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, I would say that. Slight man with a nice white beard. And when the video ends, you have two choices. You can either protest. Yeah. In which case. Is it 50% of people? Only 1%. Only 1%. 1% of the population, the voting population of Starship UK, choose to protest, then... The truth is revealed. revealed. Yeah. Or you can choose to forget and yeah. just go about the status quo. Yeah. Um, so, it looks pretty bad for her, and she presses forget, mm-hmm. and just as she presses that, a video of herself appears, Yeah. saying... Get the doctor off this ship. Yeah. So uh, I, they don't quite establish it, but I, my theory is obviously with that is that you have a moment after you've chosen forget. You can you have a moment to record a message that will play to yourself when you're coming to from having your mind wiped to say ah. to just kind of explain to yourself. Look, I've chosen forget, and you should believe me. This is this was a choice you made. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it turns out everyone chooses forget. Yeah. The doctor. Uh, can I say can I ask are you how are you feeling at this point are you intrigued by any of this um, or is it just kind of not gripping you not massively if I'm honest because I think it's a really I think this is just one of those ones where we just kind of we're at, we're at different points with with this episode aren't we like I re- I always find myself getting sucked in at this point Really? Yeah. I just thought... I mean, I don't think I'd sussed the whole plot out. No. But I was just like... It reminded me a little bit of... You know the one... 
It's the one you really liked that I didn't, where the war was a week long. All right, yeah, yeah. Was that the Doctor's daughter? Yes, yeah. Yeah. A bit like that. I was just like, I know where we're going with this. Yes, Mm. something terrible's happened, but everyone accepts it. The Doctor will probably get preachy, tell everyone how awful (laughs) they are, and we'll just leave. Yeah. Okay. So, the Doctor decrees he's going to bring down the government. If, If there's a terrible secret, he's going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. And I, I wasn't, I'll be honest, I wasn't really paying attention at this point. Um, Give it your best shot. But they go down a rubbish chute. Uh, kind of, yes, yeah. They, they're trying to get down down to the bottom because they know that's where the secret dwells. Uh-huh. And they end up in a rubbish dump. Mm. Or so it seems. Except they're stood on a tongue mm-hmm. because they're actually in a giant mouth. Yep. So, they realise they're going to get swallowed. Yeah. They need to get out of here fast. So, the doctor <laughs> makes this creature chunder, basically. Yeah. Yes. Throws guts up. Yeah. So, you see a huge tidal wave of puke <laughs> yeah. heading towards them. Yeah. It, it's not very nice. No, it's The not doctor makes be. a point of reminding Amy she is covered in sick. <laughs> yeah. You know, just as she's not feeling so grand. He's yeah. like, never forget. You are currently covered in sick. <laughs> and two of the Smiler robots appear. Yes. And as they stand up, so they're in their cases, but they're able to now stand and leave those cases. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen them do that yet. No, no, this is and new. just as the threat reaches a crescendo, Liz 10 shoots them. Yes. And... It's at this point we get the revelation of who she is. Yes. So she says that her family have been interacting with and observing the Doctor for generations. Yes. And she reams off all the times through history that mm-hmm. he has crossed the British monarchy. Yeah. And the doc- In- Including a reference to uh, uh, Elizabeth I, who we last saw in the Shakespeare Code. Yeah. Um, being very angry with the tenth doctor yeah. for reasons that he didn't know about, mm-hmm. and I think Liz Ten's line is something like "so much for the Virgin Queen." Oh, really? <laughs> that, that passed me by. <laughs> yeah, it, it goes by very quick because it's just part of this list of other things, including like you know how Queen Victoria uh, knighted and banished him on the same day, um, so etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, she yeah. says that she's never had to forget. Yeah. Because she's not a British citizen. Yeah, so she doesn't get a vote. Because Liz 10 is Elizabeth the 10th. And she is the Queen of Britain. Yes. So when they said that, I went, oh yeah. It did make sense at that point. It's a cool character concept, isn't it? Mm. Because because she is like... Like, you know, she's got like the fancy gown and stuff. But then she's like toting pistols. (laughs) Like, we've seen... The Doctor come across Queen Victoria mm-hmm. in Tooth and Claw. Yeah. And she doesn't really involve herself in his adventures. No. As you've said, we've seen him with Elizabeth. Yeah. And again, we have seen him with Queen Elizabeth II when kind he's of. flying over the palace. Oh, and she's like, hello. <laughs> Thank um, you, Doctor. So oh, to see a member of the monarchy actually involved yeah. in the plot was quite cool. Yeah. And I love her line where she said, um, I'm Liz 10, basically, I rule. Yes. <laughs> that is a good line. So, 
she shows the Doctor one of the scorpion tails that we saw earlier mm -hmm. and explains that it's all one creature. The titular beast below. Yes. Yeah. And have, have we heard the rhyme, the beast yeah, below? I yeah, I hear it quite near the start. Now, yes, because in the elevator, it's sort of a reference to, you know, all the underground have, have like poetry yes. on some of the uh, advertising boards. Um so they've got... It's like a cross between that and, like, the old-fashioned test card. So you've got, like, a little girl framed in a little oval on, like, a video screen reciting this sort of nursery rhyme about the beast below. Yeah. Yeah. So Amy knows... We sort of get that weird doctor vision that we had last episode. Amy knows not to let the doctor investigate what's going on. And... Is it at this point where the Doctor goes mad and tells her that she doesn't decide what he needs to know? Um, or is that slightly later? He does say that there, I think, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought, oh, they're going to fall out. Yeah. it's You haven't seen this side from Matt Smith's Doctor yet. This no. is the first time you're kind of seeing him lose his cool a little bit. Because mm. um, up until this point, he's just been this sort of bouncy, happy-go-lucky, uh, friendly character within, yeah doesn't appreciate having information withheld from him. So, Liz 10 is summoned by the men in hoods. Yeah. We know that she's in some way affiliated yeah. with them. The Winders, incidentally, if you want to know what they're referred is to it? as in the episode. Yeah. But they're also Smiler robots. Oh, yes, because yeah. Half Winder, half Smiler. When their heads turn round, yeah. they're the same as the Smiler robots, yeah. but one of their faces is, is, is like a, a real human... Yeah, and then when it turns round, yeah. it's one of the like nasty ones. I'm gonna say it right now, dumb. Yeah, this is not, it's the worst moment in this episode by far for me. I mean, if only in the past we'd had just off the top of my head, probably at least four random robotic. We've even had clockwork people. Yeah, why not just write some of them back in? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, look, I don't mind the Smilers as as your robot villain of the week. Mm. I don't need the sort of Smiler Winder hybrid thing because it yeah. it just it just muddies the waters and it does like it's meant to be like a shocking reveal moment. But we haven't had the Smilers being a tangible enough threat so far yeah. in this episode that like that that shock doesn't land. So no. yeah, so. They all work for Hawthorne, that yeah. is the demon headmaster from earlier. Yeah. And I think he says at this point that they work for Liz Ten. Yeah. They serve her even though she doesn't fully understand in what capacity. Yeah. And going back to earlier where we have the vote. Yeah. People who protest, it's believed, are fed to the beast. Yeah. So... Let's just talk about the beast because yeah. it's at this point we sort of get the revelation. Yes, because we, we've we've gotten all the way to the Tower of London. Yes, um, which is the base of the Winders, and uh, so we've we've got the kind of setup where uh, similar to the voting booth, uh, Liz Ten has got is also given a choice, but her choice is not to protest or forget. Her choice is to forget or to abdicate yes and so she gets to watch 
the video, which and so we now finally get to see what the truth of Starship UK is. Yes. Yeah. So the whole thing rests on the back of a giant space whale. Yes. Dumb. Okay. Where where does the idea of space whales come from? I don't they know. seem to be in everything. It is a definite trope. Yeah. It's a trope that I personally have a great fondness for. Really? Yeah, I love a space whale. Nah. Sorry. Not gonna well, in fact no, I'm not even gonna apologise for it. I love a space whale. I'm out and proud as a space whale loving man. Mm. Pretty boring. No, I like it. And this one in particular is a beautiful space whale and you leave it alone. So <laughs> So the whole city rests on the back of a giant whale. Yeah. And the reason it doesn't have an engine is because the whale swims through space. Yeah. And to make it go faster, they just blast it in its brain. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah, but... They're torturing this poor beast. Is it? Is that any different from, like, a horse drawing a carriage? I mean, I'd say it's a bit worse. What, because you're shooting it in the brain? Yeah, and, like, it's... But people whip horses. Yeah, they shouldn't do that, as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) It seems pretty mean. Like... (laughs) Let's not forget, I am a vegetarian and a massive softie when it comes to animals, so... I know, but... You can whip a horse. No, you can't. You can kick a cat. I'll kick you. See how you feel about it. When we go downstairs, (laughs) just give my dog a poke. Right in his eye. See if he likes it. (laughs) Do that. You'd never do that. I've seen you with that dog. You would never lay a hand on him. So, Starway. I'm not saying it's right, but... You know, throughout human history, animals work for humans. It's law of the jungle. Yeah, but the point is, you know, let's try for a better option rather Mm. than exploiting animals where we don't need to. Plus, right, in your brain, you have no sense nerves. So he, he wouldn't feel anything anyway. I mean, unless they were blasting his... Chemically, yeah. he'd be like, ow. But he's perfectly safe. We are assuming that star whale physiology is uh, direct analogue to human physiology, which, as I can say pretty firmly, is not the case because we don't have weird scorp- scorpion tentacles coming out of us. Yeah, but I'm assuming his idea of pain and stress is based on hormones, neurotransmitters. So physically, we're not actually hurting him. It's similar to... You don't eat, know that. It's similar you don't to, know that. It's similar to eating a chilli, right? It's not... <laughs> it's Your pain receptors think they're in pain, but they're not. You're just chemically in pain. You don't know that because you don't know how its brain works. It might have, like, actual physical well, nerve endings. Well, if it's a whale... Yeah. It's a space whale. Right, but... We don't know... My point is, we do not know how space whales work. For the purposes of this episode, they firmly established that it feels the pain. How can it swim anyway in zero atmosphere? There'll be no oxygen... Because it's a space whale! But how's it going to respire? How do they... I mean, I know they feed it. That's where it'll, you know, get its basic sugars... But where's the oxygen for respiration coming from? I feel like these questions would be best directed at Stephen Moffat. Do you think it photosynthesizes? Why don't you fire him an email? Creates oxygen as a byproduct. So maybe it's got chloroplasts. Look, if you're going to question my science (laughs) ability, 
I'm going to throw some key stage three at <laughs> I don't know how the space whale works. Apart from what they tell us in the episode, they tell us it feels pain. Yeah. I'm calling bullshit. Anyway, so basically this is the great revelation. This is the truth of Starship UK. Yeah. They, they were one of the last um, countries to evacuate Earth. They didn't have any other means of getting off. But as Liz Ten says, the, you know, the children were crying, the world was burning, and by a miracle, they thought the, the Star Wars were extinct, but this one comes to their rescue. And so they trap it, they build their ship on its back, they sail it off into space, and to keep it going, they are just blasting its brain and torturing it. Would you make the same call? If I was in you know, any position to be involved in that decision... Um, if you're the Prime yeah. Minister, because seemingly yeah. the Queen has no say in this, yeah. and Earth, might... Earth is burning, yeah. and someone puts forward a proposal to you yeah. that says, oh, we can save Earth, we're just going to get this... It's the last of its kind, it's a space whale, they're a yeah. dead species. Should we just hop on its back? Yeah, of course I would. It would be my duty as a prime minister to try and protect my mm. my people. Yeah, so you sort of turned your back on your pro animal stance. No, on. no, no. I'm, I'm not, not at all. I'm, I, I, I would feel all right, a big what, regret. But what, I'm just saying I'm being realistic. What, what if they took it up a step and yeah. they said, right, David, we've built this on the back yeah. of the space whale, and we've worked out the only way that the space whale. You know, we need to kickstart it. We need yeah. to get it to yeah. blast off. And the only way for that to work is for you to punch it in its eyeball. <laughs> yeah, no, I would do it. Look, the point... Where, think... where would you stop? If they said, oh, you had to... I don't know. Jam a knife in its eyeball? I don't know. Cause at the end of the day, torture is torture. And so... I'm not saying it would be a decision made without regret, and like the, the whole the whole point of this episode is that nobody feels good about doing this. But as far as they can tell, this is the only way that the whole of Britain, if essentially, can survive this apocalypse. And so they have made this choice to to to, to do this, and there's no alternative at this point. And then on into the sort of finale of this thing. And I'll, I'll hand back to your notes okay. to get to so, the point. So, the Doctor realises that Liz Ten's mask, I think it's alluded to earlier, yeah. it's shaped perfectly to fit her face. Yes. But at this point, he says, well, look at it. He says, it's an antique. Yeah. It's 300 years old. Yeah. So, <laughs> she's convinced that she's only been on the throne for 10 years. Yeah. So what's been happening is she's been living the same 10 years. So yeah. early on, she says she's got a strict beauty regimen that keeps her young. They said, uh, well, they said that also, like, the, 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 uh, like, I forget who exactly, but they basically slowed down her body clock to that's, keep her looking right. like the stamps. Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, so she's lived the same 10 years over and over again. Yeah. And... Every ten years, she reaches this point and presses forget. Yeah. So the men in the hoods are like the society that are in the know that know she's inevitably going to reach this conclusion. Yeah. And press forget. Yes. 
because she demands the release of the space whale. Uh, the doctor says it's outside the frequency of human hearing, but he sonic screwdrivers the whale brain and you can yeah. hear it screaming. Yeah. So it's at this point the doctor has a right go at Amy yeah. and says, I'm going to take you home. Yeah. You don't decide what I need to. All right, yeah, yeah. And he says he's going to lobotomize the star whale. Yeah. He says rather than keep it imprisoned and torture it or the death of humankind... He says, what we need to do is take away its higher brain function and just literally turn it into a living engine. Yeah, and just be, as he puts it, a vegetable. Yeah. 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 And it's... I think Smith's performance in this scene is amazing. Yeah, he's pretty good here. He's like this sort of like barely contained fury. Like, being put in this situation, doing the best he can. And I love his line when he says, you know, I'm going to do this... You know, I'm going to lobotomize it, and then I'll have to find another name because I won't be the doctor anymore. Mm. And that really hits home for me. So, looking around the room, Amy looks at the scorpion tail. Yeah, sees that children are like playing with it, and all yeah. the children love. Yeah, the scorpion tail. Earlier on in the episode, uh, they've mentioned that it won't eat the children. That's right. It's fed uh, so she grabs Liz Ten's hands presses the abdicate button with it. Yeah. Uh, and all of a sudden the ship goes really fast. Because yeah. it turns out that the whale yeah. only ever wanted to help. Yeah. It loves humans. Yeah. It came to Earth offering to help. Yeah. And Amy draws a direct parallel here to the Doctor. Yeah. yeah. Last of its kind, only wants to help. Yeah. You know, they talk about the tears of children. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know, it's a bit of a wonky ending. I know. I, I literally was crying at this point. Really? Yes. I just thought shoot the space whale. <laughs> Therein lies the difference between you and yeah. I. <laughs> Punch it in the eye. Uh yeah, and no, I mean, look, I'm not gonna pretend it's not a sappy ending. It absolutely is. But it gets to me. It mm. really does. And I think Plus like whales too placid. Imagine it's a giant space crocodile and it gets mad and turns on them. That'd be a better ending. Yeah, it'd be a different show. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I like the parallel with the Doctor and basically it's an excuse to make this episode. It, it gives us an insight into, first of all, how Amy is starting to understand the Doctor through seeing how he's behaved in this episode and... Um, and also her willingness to just overrule him as well. Just straight up, you'd be like, no, you've got the wrong plan. I think one thing I don't like about Doctor Who is any episode that sort of ends with, you know, and they all live happily ever after. Yeah. I think that's too easy, and that's what happens here. Well, we don't know that it does live happily ever after. We just know that the space whale has been... Saved. Yeah, fuck the whales. Torture. We don't know that that this colony ever finds a new residence. Oh, that would be even better if everyone was like, oh, we're all friends now. But the whale was just like, I'm just going to drift into nothingness. (laughs) Yeah, good luck. Yeah. I like it. Look, I'm not going to say it's a perfect episode. It's not. Like, I feel like 
it cram- tries to cram a lot of world building into just 45 minutes. Mm. And some of it lands and some of it doesn't. I love the aesthetics of the ship. I love the sort of mishmash of general mid-20th century Britishness. The, it, like, even down to the use of fonts, the typography mm. on the buttons and things like that. It all just feels perfect. See, that that's something... We never really discussed it last week. Yeah. But the interior of the TARDIS has yes. changed. I think the exterior has as well. Yes, it has. It's got a St. John's Ambulance sticker on it yeah. now. And like a gold plaque. Yeah. I didn't know if that was there in the past. Yeah, it has been sometimes in Classic Who. Mm. There's been various um, different TARDIS exteriors. Mm. It just occasionally gets a bit of a judge up. So, following all this whale nonsense, yeah. the phone starts ringing the TARDIS. <laughs> yes. And Amy's like, oh, the phone can ring. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. So they go to it, and he says, just answer the phone for me. And she says, oh, it's the Prime Minister. And he says, which Prime Minister? She says, the British Prime Minister. He says, well, which British Prime Minister? And it turns out it's Winston Churchill. Yeah. Hanging out with a Dalek. So... It's nice to see, even though we've got a new showrunner, we're sticking to the classic formula of first episode, then we go to the future, then we go to the past. Yeah, Every series. Yeah. Absolutely. And of course. Tried and tested. And then the closing shot of the episode, we zoom out on Starship UK. Yes. We see the big beast beneath. Yeah. And there's a huge crack in the side of the spaceship. And the crack looks exactly the same. Mm. as the uh, one that was in Amy's War. Actually, I don't think we mentioned, I think it's at the end, either at the beginning of this one or at the end of the previous, I think at the end of the previous episode, where you see on the oscilloscope um, in the in the TARDIS interior, you know, the sort of wibbly line on a screen, the crack appears in that for a second. Oh, really? Well, yeah, the, the exact same shape. Great. So, there you go. Every week. Yeah. It's just going to be some little shite yeah. about this. But I quite, do you not like the tease for the next episode? No. No? That just strikes me as... I, I'm going to put it on a plate right now. I am not going to enjoy that episode. <laughs> I don't like historical ones. Okay. Why are the Daleks there? Let me help put your mind at ease if I tell you it's written by Mark Gatiss. I know, but... <laughs> He's someone, I've, he's someone I've put on somewhat of a pedestal, but he's had not the best track record. Well, oh, that's why I was, I was being in tongue-in-cheek, because I don't think you've liked a single Mark Gatiss no. story so far. No. Um, right. I like it, because um, back in... You know, they, you would do this a lot more in the classic series, where you'd like tee, you'd like tee up the next... Especially mm. in the Hartnell and Troughton eras, where like at the end of a, a story... They would just have to win on a cliffhanger no matter what. So rather than just ending at the end of the story, they'd be like, okay, and now next week it's going to be this. Uh, we've never really had that in the modern series, so uh, mm. it's a bit different. I know. I don't know if I can be chewed with World War Two. Oh. Just... World War Two and Daleks, though. Mm. It'll be different. So one thing I wanted to address just before we left. Yeah. Uh, we talked about it last week. My YouTube... Like suggestions yes. are yes. now flooded with Doctor Who. Right. And again, last night I was just watching some little bits and bobs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it turns out there's a trailer just released for 
a lost story that's oh, going yes. to be re-released animated. Yeah, Fury of the Deep. Fury of the Deep. Yeah. Is it about space whales? I don't know because I've never seen it. Oh yeah, I suppose it's been lost, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, there have been audio... Uh, the audio has uh, existed and mm-hmm. uh, there have been like uh, various reconstructions and things using stills that survive and things like that. But I personally struggle with the reconstructions or just like listening to audio from episodes I kind of miss having the proper visuals or or something more tangible than just the odd still Um, so yeah I've never seen Fury Fury from the Deep or or any of the sort of Troughton missing stories so I'm quite excited about this they did uh, uh, earlier this year they released uh, the Macro Terror which I've not picked up yet but I fully intend to um, they, they're slowly working their way through them, like they did the Power of the Darnics a couple of years ago, and um, yeah, there are a few more coming down the pipeline as well. Quite excited about it, to be honest. Good. Yeah. Something to look forward to. Absolutely. Maybe we'll do one of the animated reconstructions at some point. Maybe. Yeah. You quite liked Trout, didn't you? Mm, he was. Uh, he wasn't the worst. That's high praise coming from you when yeah. it comes to Classico. It's not Pertwee. <laughs> you hate it. You were not a fan of Pertwee until that promotional clip. Yeah. It, it's incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Oh, dear. Right. Well, um, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, and do tune in next week uh, when we will be discussing Victory of the Daleks. Oh, great. But until then, cheer me up. Bye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.